Good morning and happy Mother's Day. I'm happy to be here today as your pastor and bring you the Word of God today from Romans chapter 15. What does all in look like? That's the question we're pondering. And I want you to hear the words of Christ and even say them back to me, so I'll say it twice. There's a saying that Jesus said that I would hope that by the end of this few minutes we have together, you would understand and believe for your own spiritual life. It goes like this. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That's what Jesus said. I want to say it again myself, and then this third time you repeat it after me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You ready? Whoever finds his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That's one of those phrases that is a rock foundation under what it means to be truly connected to Jesus Christ as a Christian. And that's what this sermon text and these, this question, what does all in look like, is all about. All in is, to me, kind of a, a, a recent phrase. I think I first heard it when one of the years for our youngest son Blake's football team, the, the coach always, every year has a motto. I think it was his team. They said, we're going to be all in. And they put it on their T-shirts, and they put it all around the gym. And he, what he's saying is, is if you're going to be on this team, I want you all in in your workouts in the, in the, the weight room, all in at practice, all in with your grades, all in on, in game day, all in the whole time. And that, that's not just football that does that. I've watched now a lot of the drama department and the band that practices more than the football team. If you're in extracurricular sports in Texas, the leader, the adult leader, wants you all in, much to the chagrin of some of us parents, because it kind of gets in the way sometimes of things like church and family and other things that we want our kids to be all in on. But that's, when I first saw that phrase, all in, in that football program, I started to wonder, what is it, why is it so powerful that these boys will get after it because of that phrase? And also, what does it look like to be all in as a child of God? First of all, all in is tapping into something that is very human. All of us were made by God to be part of something bigger than ourselves, and we know it intuitively. We know our purpose in life cannot just be to stay alive personally. We're not just an animal. Humans were made in the image of God. And when God made all of creation, he stopped at Adam and Eve and said, I will make what? I will make mankind, humankind in my image. In the image of God, he made them male and female. And what did he tell them to do? Be fruitful, bless them, multiply, and subdue the whole earth. Adam and Eve were, and you and I are their children. We're supposed to show the universe what God is like, bearing his image, and we're supposed to be the leaders of planet earth. And that's a huge, bigger than you purpose. And they did really well for a few days, maybe. We don't actually know. It could have been one until they fell into sin. And then the purposes of a human's life got all mixed up in their heart. And they really kind of thought the thing that's bigger than themselves is the thing they want to be a little further down the road, which basically was they wanted to be what? Like God. Financially independent, wealthy, popular, famous, at life of ease, important, 
right? Getting all the attention, all those things that we've all been plagued with in some way, Adam and Eve had as soon as they fell into sin and they lost their purpose. And when people, remember what I told you about Jesus' phrase? When people find something bigger than themselves that satisfies that desire to succeed, like get into band because you play a really good flute, or get into football because you really run and catch fast, or get into basketball, or get into weaving, or whatever it is, getting to motherhood, into things that are for a temporary life, we think we found our life. You can go from being empty and purposeless, suddenly you've got a cause and a reason to live that's bigger in yourself, a reason to what? Get up in the morning, and it feels good. But if you're finding a life outside of serving Christ because he served you, you've lost it. You may think you found it and lost it in the very same moment. On Mother's Day, to help us get into this, I'd like to show you a picture. I think this is what All In looks like. She's got her thumbs up. She's about to have a baby. I think they took this picture perhaps right before her first contraction. I don't know. What I remember in our first baby was... And I told Mary we were going to go over this today. I've told a few of this story, but before we had our first and the contractions started coming and they were getting harder and harder, is getting out of the car at the hospital about to go in and one hit her and she grabbed the car door and went, oh, I don't want to do this. (laughs) And I thought, how do you say something profound here? You have to do this or we can't have this baby. Not very comforting. You have to go through this. We... We went through labor. No, I know we didn't. I'm not that crazy. That woman, thumbs up. My woman was, I don't want to do this. Every Christian is somewhere between those two pictures in being all in for Jesus, like a mother is all in. You mothers know that it's kind of a mixed bag on Mother's Day, if any of you are mothers. You're glad that you get to be a mother. You're glad that somebody would tell your kids at church here to appreciate you and, and uh, say thank you. And it's a high privilege. At the same time, you have guilt because you know you haven't been all in in being a mother all the time. Because you're somewhere between and oh, I don't want to do this. You're that way as a Christian, you men and women, all of you as well. And that's why we preach. That's why we preach to the saints. You're the saints. You believe in God. You're already saved. Do you want to know what all in really looks like? It doesn't look like a woman that's a mother. It looks like this. That's what all in looks like. I'm not talking about Mary. You see her looking up at her son yet? I'm talking about her son. When Adam and Eve blew it and fell into sin, God walked into the garden and said, I will put enmity between you, devil, and he will crush your head. And he was talking about Jesus coming centuries later. What I'm trying to tell you is, from eternity, God's been all in, knowing we would be a failed project. And he was all in at restoring us through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So in the garden, when he announced I will put enmity, devil. He will crush your head and he'll restore humanity back to me in love. He was saying when Jesus came, when he comes, he will save the planet and change people's hearts back to wanting to serve God. And so every Christian who believes in the Christ who died for them not only feels completely forgiven, and you are, my dear Christians, you are completely forgiven for your 
sins of your heart and sins of your tongue and sins of your actions. You're washed clean. But not only do you feel completely forgiven, you, like Texans would say, feel completely beholden. Beholden to Jesus, right? One person in the balcony got my joke. (laughs) All in. Beholden to Jesus. Mary is somewhere between the two in this picture. She's his mother, and a sword is piercing through her own soul, like Simeon had told her when she held baby Jesus in the temple. And she's also coming to faith in him as the Christ. Because right after his resurrection, she's there with all the disciples, and they're together with Mary, and she's given special mention in Acts chapter 1. She believed in him as her Savior, not just her son. And she was as all in as any sinner could be. The Apostle Paul, arguably, is one of the few people on planet Earth that we would say was an exemplary example of a Christian who's all in as much as a sinner can be. Now, there are probably a lot of saints who've lived since Paul that are just as all in as he is, but they didn't make it into the Bible. And so, arguably, when we look at the life of the Apostle Paul, we see a sinner who's a great example of being all in that we can follow, who's one notch below Jesus. It's a big, big notch below, but it's one notch below. Paul wrote half of the New Testament. While he was running around Asia Minor, spreading the good news of Jesus, we'd call that Turkey. And when he, in a, maybe a 15-year period, roughly speaking, got to the end of that period, you know what he said? I've always made it my aim to preach the gospel where no one has ever heard about it, and I can't find a place in Turkey to do that anymore. Really? I mean, before the days of cell phones and internet and Facebook, he, could, he had come to a place where he couldn't visit a town where they didn't already know about Jesus. And so he wanted to go to Rome. But Romans already knew about Jesus. Rome, Italy was further west. But he wanted to go to Rome in order to get their help moving west further to Spain. And so he wrote them a letter. Now, if you wrote a letter like Paul's, we would roll our eyes and say, in length I'm talking about, roll our eyes and say, we scroll down that email. Oh, my goodness, I, gotta, I don't have time to read this now. That's the way they wrote back then, especially the apostles. We number the chapters as of 1200 A.D. There's 16 of them, and it's a letter. And the letter to the Romans is the most detailed Christian doctrine all in one book of every book of the Bible. Of 66 books, this has the mostest of Christian doctrine in it. It's telling the Romans the gospel that he preached. And he has never met them, and he wants to go beyond them because he's all in as a missionary. As you listen to what he said late in chapter 15, you'll hear some of what I'm telling you in these passages. It's in your folder on page 8. Paul says, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers in Rome, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. Circle this next word in your mind, but. But on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder. Because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God. 
so that the offering of the Gentiles might, may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. There are enough churchy words in that paragraph that I would guess 98% of you tuned me out while I was reading about the fifth line. And now you've got to look back and say, what was that? I'm going to simplify it for you. Paul said, I just wrote to you a whole bunch of Christian doctrine, but it's not because I think you're foolish. I think you already know everything I wrote you before I wrote it. Blake and I were riding up to college this week to get him registered, and I started to open my mouth. There's something I want to tell you. He goes, I know what it is. And he listed off three things I told him lately. And he's used to me what? Reminding him. Well, that's my job. I'm his dad. He was wrong, though. It was something new. I was really excited about that. Paul says, I'm reminding you of the things you already know. And I know that you're full of the Holy Spirit and you guys have Christianity already there. But, it's, but the second half of the paragraph that I said was real churchy, he said, but it's my job. My job is to talk to the Gentiles about the gospel so that when they serve God, they have acceptable offerings. Wait, whoa, wait a minute. What's he talking about? You can serve God with a wrong heart and your offerings are not acceptable. If you come to church and you pull money out of your purse or your wallet or your checkbook or you just wire it to us and you give it to God because you want to see something in your church that will please you more than anybody else, you're not doing it for the right reason. Moms, when you are grouchy about being a mom and so put out and pouty that we are so ungrateful, and I know that we are, you have changed your motives to getting our approval and praise instead of doing it for your Lord and your Savior. Employees, employers, pastors, all of us, right? Friends, when we're counting up how many times we've been thanked or wondering if they really noticed and that we lose our motivation, we're doing it for the wrong reason. Well, guess what? Gentile people were born just like you and me because we're Gentiles. We're non-Jews. And they were born with a normal heart like yours and mine that wants to serve in order to get something back or out of fear of losing something instead of out of love. And Paul said, I am an apostle to teach the gospel to people so they do it out of love. Because when you look at Jesus on the cross and you know that God did that for you, to take all of your sins and guilt away, spiritually speaking, you start getting I, I want to in place of I have to, right? And that's why, as a church, what we do in here in preaching Christ is much more important than what we do over there in the fellowship hall when we start doing stuff or out in the community, right? Because what we do in here is put Jesus back on the cross for you so you can leave here with the what? I want to, right? What does all in look like? It's I wanna, not because I'm going to win, but because I, I have already been won over by God through his love in Christ. And Paul said, that's my mission. So I wrote to you a big, long letter. And if you know anything about Romans, you know, he spent the first three chapters going, you don't work your way to heaven. And in chapter three, he said, if you think you do, everybody that thinks that'll be lost, it's all by grace. Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace. Chapter 4 and 5, he goes, Abraham learned this because you think he's so big. David learned this. Chapter 6 through 8, the Holy Spirit leads you to serve because of I want to. And then chapters 9 through 11, the Jews are going to learn it one way or the other because God's going to continue to tell them this gospel. And 12 through 16 is, this is how it works out into your life. 
If someone is mean to you, you don't be mean back because you got the I wanna to glorify God. Romans 12. You don't get revenge. You leave that to God. Romans 14. If you want them to follow your dietary laws because you're strict about still eating a kosher diet, you stop. They work for God. You work for God. You just quit judging them about what they eat. And if you want to not eat pork because that's the way to glorify God, then you do that from an I wanna because it's about faith. That which is not from faith, 1423, is sin. So he writes this big long letter to say it's all about the gospel that creates the I wanna. And then he says, I wanna come to Rome, get this, because I want you to want to go to Spain with me to a place where I need to go. And he's very transparent about his plans. So let's look back at the verse 17. Paul's on a mission. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God, for I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience. See that dash? That means, preacher, you can stop right there and explain something. (laughs) I know it doesn't exactly mean that, but the translators are saying this is a break in thought. Okay, So what he's saying, and what I've said so far is, he said, I've been living on a mission that's done some big things in Turkey, modern-day Turkey, Asia Minor, and I've reached the end. Now, it's coming after our text. He says, I I can't preach the gospel anywhere else here. It's in our text, and then he says, I want to go to Spain. But he says, I've reached the end, but I'm proud of what I've done, but it's not just me because it's Jesus working through me. And he goes, I can say I'm proud because I'm proud of what God has done with this sinner to reach Asia Minor. It's hard for Christians and especially Lutherans to say they're proud of anything because we're afraid we might be thinking too much of ourselves before Christ, right? And there it is, the Apostle Paul, arguably one of the greatest I want us ever to live, says, I'm proud. Proud of the work God's done through me. And this is how he did it. By word, he preached and wrote. By deed, he lived a good life. He mended nets. He made tents. He worked with his hands. He didn't charge anybody for his ministry. He did miracles by the powers of signs and wonders and by the power of the Spirit of God. He noticed when he preached that people would, their lives would be changed. They would become Christians just by the words he spoke. It was the Spirit doing it. And then he goes, from Jerusalem, which is a long way from Rome, he said all the way around to, Vicar, say the name again, Illyricum. The name of that city is hard to pronounce, especially for me. I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. I have fulfilled it. I've, I can't find anybody else to preach new, to, that's never heard of Christ. And thus, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. As it is written in Isaiah, those who have been never told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. And in the very next words, he says, so that's why I'm coming to Rome. I know you already know the gospel, but I want to go to Spain where they've never heard of it, and I need your help. And that's why I wrote the long letter, because I'm on a mission, and I want you to be on the mission with me. And I, as a pastor, want to stop right there and say, this man is living on a mission, and he never stopped until Rome beheaded him. He was preaching Christ all the way to the end. Being a Christian and living for God transcends circumstances. It transcends high school. 
It transcends college. It transcends your job. It transcends your family. It transcends the working world. It transcends your living circumstances. It transcends your health. Living for God as I wanna is a change that's happened through the cross of Jesus Christ. And as long as you sit at the foot of the cross and look at him, you will have the I want it in you. And the reason I love it that you're here today is because every one of us struggles with this, including mamas with their thumbs up or their thumbs down, and daddies and preachers too. We all need to be brought back to the love of God that makes us want to do better in our callings in life. There's only one guy I know like Paul that in the early part of Christianity could say he could get to places where no one had ever heard the name of Christ. You'll find individuals who haven't heard the name of Christ, but even in China, in dark China, they've at least heard about it. It's been, his name's been around 2,000 years. This man had a special calling, but so do each of us. And so if you are living and not laying sideways in a big box up here, that we're talking about you and your good life that's been finished and Jesus' love that will raise you from the dead, you still have a calling in all the different places that you find yourself, even if it's only in your mind one or two. And the devil knows that, and he wants you to have different purposes than God so you won't be all in. And he wants you to find the meaning in life in worldly passing things, including your health. And it's not found there. It's found in Jesus. Remember how we started? Remember the saying I made you say back to me? I'm going to say it again. Jesus said, whoever finds his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, Jesus, will find it. You found it. It's in Christ. It's in nothing else in this world. And everything else that you have finds its meaning to last only if it's a gift from Christ, like motherhood, like your job, like your, your talent or your ability or your place in, in, in among your friends. Whatever it is, it only finds its real meaning if it's a meaning under the cross to serve the Savior. So it's really only fun to be a mom if you're a mom for Jesus. It's really only fun to be a son or daughter if you're a son or daughter for Jesus. It's really only fun to be, and you can add the rest. You want to be content with your life? Be all in. For an audience of one who is still all in for you. Amen.